NPR. If you remember back to the early days of the pandemic, millions of people were losing their jobs and unemployment insurance systems, state after state, were groaning under these piles of claims that they were desperately trying to process. California's unemployment insurance agency had a backlog that was so big, nobody even knew how large it actually was. Legislators were totally overwhelmed with phone calls. Jennifer Polka is the author of the new book, Recoding America. I mean, in almost every office, every member of the office had been redirected to answer phone calls, and most were about people who didn't get their unemployment insurance. It was really a huge mess. It was sort of on the front pages kind of every week. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Darian Woods. A lot of government websites and apps and databases across the U.S. leave a lot to be desired. So today on the show, we're looking at how California tried to solve its unemployment insurance fiasco and what that teaches us about how to do digital government services better. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Babson College. The world needs entrepreneurial leaders, and you can become one at Babson College. Gain the skills to lead, motivate, and inspire through a specialized master's or MBA program with full-time, part-time, and online options. Turn ideas into action with a graduate program that caters to your professional needs and fits your lifestyle. Ranked number one in entrepreneurship by U.S. News and World Report. Apply now at babson.edu slash gradprograms. This message comes from Apple Card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase. That's 3% on products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Jennifer Polka is one of the experts in digital government services. She's helped start two groups that try to make them better, a nonprofit and also a government agency. Now, our story with Jennifer starts with California's Unemployment Insurance Agency, which is called the Employment Development Department, or the EDD. And in mid-2020, the EDD was staggering under 1.3 million unprocessed claims. So Jennifer got a phone call. I was on a trip with my daughter to go visit my grandparents in Texas. And ultimately what they wanted was for me to co-chair what Governor Newsom called a strike team to get a handle on what was going on with unemployment insurance in the state. Now, what kind of assumptions did people have about the causes of this unemployment insurance technology breaking down? Well, the first thing that I heard a lot of, not just in California, was that the problem must be COBOL code. COBOL is a programming language that dates back to 1959. That makes it sound really old. The truth is it's still in use in major systems everywhere. Like if you buy a plane ticket, you're accessing some COBOL code somewhere, and it actually runs still pretty well. I think there was also an assumption that the people at the EDD weren't trying hard enough or they didn't know what they were doing, and that somebody with more consumer technology experience would just be able to come in and magically make it work. And that's not what we found at all. So so why was this hard? 
what you really have are these sort of archaeological layers of technology that have accrued over the years, going back in this case to sort of the early 80s. And we've added different systems to do different functions, but there's never been really an attempt to sort of go back and redesign it for the way that it should work in this day and age. So when you say different layers, I mean, is this kind of different policy layers, different coding layers? There was a particular moment when that complexity of law and policy really hit me. My colleague, Marina, was working with the claims processor. And one of the claims processors, she kept asking questions of, continually said, "Mm, I'm not sure about the answer to that question. I'm the new guy. And she finally said, okay, how long have you worked here? And he said, I've only been here 17 years. The people who really know how unemployment insurance works, not just the technology, but all of the law and policy that govern it, they've been here 25 years or more. And so that's a lot of policy cruft, sort of accumulation of policy over the years. And it's really hard to make the technology work without anybody having made the policy simpler and clearer. And the problem is that if it takes 25 years to learn how to really process a claim for those claims that have to have that high touch, then you can't add new people. In fact, every new person that the state hired slowed down processing of claims. That's so ironic. Yeah. When I went to the head of the EDD at the time, she really didn't want to say anything about that. She really felt like telling the legislature and the governor's office that the thing they'd been telling her to do was actually making the situation worse, that that was the worst possible move. And so we were kind of stuck on that one. It's a hard sell. Things are looking harder than ever. Let's not have as many people. I can understand why that's hard. And one of the things that wasn't working is that a lot of people who are applying for unemployment insurance in California, they were being put into this kind of manual processing queue. When unemployment insurance was created, you know, you would go into an office and file for it. Since then, of course, we've moved it online. And so agencies have come up with ways to try to somewhat figure out who you are. And the way that it was working at EDD and a lot of other states at the time was that they would simply match your data to their government databases. And so if, for instance, they looked me up and it said Jennifer Palka, but I had written Jennifer L. Palka, then I would get flagged as potentially a fraudulent application. And then I'd have to go through the manual process where somebody would send me a letter and I would reply and that would serve as additional layers of quote-unquote identity verification. And so that's the main reason why we have the backlog. But the other thing to understand is that a lot of the fraud that happens comes from stolen identities off the internet. And in that case, they're going to have my name, date of birth, and social security number exactly right. So it's not really clear why that validates your identity at all. What was the reaction when you brought it to the powers that be to try to change this? Well, there's a really high sensitivity to fraud in every state agency that handles this. They get reamed in the press about it all the time. So we wanted to loosen the criteria by which people would get flagged. And they were 
not open to that because they knew that it would look bad to have loosened the criteria while there was fraud happening, even though the reality was that that criteria were not restricting the fraud. When we suggested that they get a commercial identity verification system and install it, they were super open to that suggestion. They were very excited about it. But that was going to take seven weeks. At the end of those seven weeks, you can have either one really big problem, which is a bunch of fraud, or two problems, a bunch of fraud and a big backlog. In the end, the EDD did decide to have both problems at once. But they did decide to build the new, simpler, more effective ID verification system. It would take seven weeks, and in the meantime, the old inefficient manual verification system was still there. They also took a two-week pause on new applications. But once that new system was built, California was on a much better path. And because of the ID verification and because of the reassignment of staff, EDD did get through that backlog right around when we projected that they would if they took these steps. To sum up, Jennifer's team found there were three overlapping problems that were common to a lot of government agencies. First, policy complexity, built up and up over many, many years, often added to but rarely stripped back. And this led to the second problem, which was staffing. When staff need 25 years to feel like experts, you cannot hire yourself out of a mess. And thirdly, a top-down culture that was more concerned with optics and risk aversion was getting in the way. A common theme among all these issues seems to be a disconnect between the policy people Mm -hmm. and the people who are at the implementation part. In some ways, I think this is probably the core issue here, because when you're in a culture in which the people at the bottom aren't able to tell the people up the chain what's wrong and how to fix it for fear of optics, you can't really solve problems. Jennifer Balker, uh, thanks so much for joining The Indicator. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. This episode was produced by Brittany Cronin with engineering by Catherine Silva. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez and it was edited by Patty Hirsch. Viet Le is our senior producer and Kate Cannon is our editor. The Indicator is a production of NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Humana. Your employees are more than your coworkers. They're the heartbeat of your business. That's why Humana offers modern group benefits designed to protect employees and their families with dental, vision, life, and disability coverage. Humana knows every employee and every business is unique. That's why they listen to your needs and build plans with you and your team in mind. That's the power of human care. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. This election season, you can expect to hear a lot of news, some of it meaningful, much of it not. Give the Up First podcast 15 minutes, sometimes a little less, and we'll help you sort it out what's going on around the world and at home. Three stories, 15 minutes, Up First every day. Listen every morning, wherever you get your podcasts.